Chris Barsby uh, is about to join us to talk harness racing. What a wonderful weekend it is at Melton in Victoria with the Derby, the Oaks, the Victoria Cup and Leap to Fame following his dominant performance at Albion Park at very short quote last weekend is going to start favourite in the race. Rock and roll do. Certainly he's ticking over solidly. As Chris mentioned, his run at Kilmore was just a forgive that was dominated on speed and he actually ran quite solidly there in the, the Kilmore Cup and he won this race last year. Rock and roll do. I know Dan Malecki, who's broadcasting this wonderful card, is going to join Chris in a matter of moments. But good morning to you, Chris. How are you? Everyone, uh, it's a great week of racing coming up. We've got never-ending stepping out later today over in the West. We've got a fantastic program. Have a look at those fields at Addington on Friday night. Wow, what a meeting that is. And then later today, uh, we've got second rankings being released from the Racing Queensland handicappers as well. So it'll be interesting to see how many scratchings and what sort of movement we've got as far as the rankings are concerned. So that'll be out later this afternoon, probably mid to late afternoon, around probably 3 o'clock on tipping. So that's going to be all important because that series is only seven weeks away. Chris, uh, after obviously Leap to Fame, you're putting on top in the race, but how would you, you play the exotics in the Victoria Cup after following the field being released? Uh... Good question. Still going through it. Um, it's a good field. Many were sort of spruiking this race to be one of the best Victoria Cup fields we've seen in a long, long time. I, You know, you don't want to downplay the race, but given that there's no Kiwi interest, and when you think about some of the great Victoria Cups when we had those champion Kiwi paces contesting, they were epic races. This is going to be a good race, but... To say this is one of the best, I'm not so sure about that. There's, what, four four-year-olds lining up in this race on Saturday night. Leap to fame, catch a wave, uh, captain ravishing in cypher. So they're only just starting as far as Grand Circuit uh, features are concerned. Leap to fame is definitely on top for me. How do we play the exotic, Steve? I think better Eclipse, given that he's got Barrier 1, last out winner of the Kilmore Cup. He's got to be right in the mix. Hi, my name is Jeff. Given the fact that it's Jason Grimson, he's got a horse in a feature race. You can't sell him short. Every time he starts a horse in a feature race, it seems to win. So, you know, many thought he was a little lucky to gain a start in the race, but here he is lining up. So... I think you've got to respect him. Um, there's a few others there, so we'll talk more about that uh, between now and Saturday. But, uh, yeah, Leap to Fame, definitely on top for me. I do notice, Steve, with Tab right now, he's back at $1.90. So I think he opened at one eighty five. He got as short as one eighty yesterday. He's now at one ninety today. So that's interesting. Mm, if he wins this easily, Chris, he could start one of the, the shortest price favourites in an Inter-Dominion final we've seen in some time when he turns up in Brisbane. But as Dan Malecki joins us, Chris, uh, just thought at that era, you know, the late 70s. I know we've spoken about it in the 80s, but some of the winners of this race, Koala King, three years in a row, Popular Arm in the early 80s, back-to-back, -back, Pro Chevalier, Bag Limit, Sinbad Bay. It was just a great era, Dan, wasn't it? Wow, those names, I mean, that's what made me want to be interested in harness racing. I'm, I, you know, the names of horses that were inspiration to drivers and trainers and owners and uh, what a period that was. Um, and there were names that went on through the 90s and you get your Franco Ice and remember Desperate Comment uh, winning his back-to-back -back and that goes on to, to, to Shaker Maker and, and it, not necessarily every great horse won it, but so many great horses won it. And I heard Chris just uh, on the back of what he mentioned before about the great Victoria Cups and I reckon there was a period from 
the late 80s right through to the early 2000s, um, the first emergency was a multiple Group 1 winner. And this year, look, it's probably one of the better cups we've had in the last decade, but Chris is right, without the Kiwi horses, it just, in a sense, it lacks that extra touch to make it a special one. It's very good. I wouldn't swap it for the world. Um, and it's right up there, but you need the Kiwis, don't you? Yeah, no doubt about that, Dan. So uh, it's going to be a great race, no doubt. Leap to fame, headed down last night. He made the trip from Brisbane to, to Melbourne, flying down, so he's arrived safely. Uh, he came up with a front row draw. He's the boom horse, Dan, and as a result, he's a clear favourite, 190 right now. So what was your first reaction following the barrier draw yesterday morning? Initially, I didn't think it was that much of an advantage for Leap to Fame because I don't see him as a horse blessed with a lot of gate speed, so he might be able to hustle his way forward. I was surprised he crunched in so quickly to be so short. Um, I, would I can't see him getting any shorter than that. Uh, you might have a different opinion, um, but the thing is what he can do that a lot of others can't, and that is he can make his own luck. You're looking at a price for a horse that is pretty comfortable sitting without cover, and he might have to do that to win the race. But around the $2 mark, I would say you'd still expect he's a great chance of winning the race if he had to sit back. There's not many others in the race that would be able to do it. OK, I want to ask this question. I'm fascinated by your response to this as well. Uh, now that the field's drawn up, we know what's contesting this big grand circuit feature on Saturday night. But just say, hypothetically, if Leap to Fame drew 11, 12 or 13 over the 22.40 against this opposition, what sort of price do you think we would have been looking at? It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think he's so popular, there'd be good enough support for him and it would just depend on barrier draws for some of the other horses. But uh, because it's 2,240 metres, he would be wide the whole way, three wide probably. And he's always uh, a horse that is vulnerable to something running over the top of him late. So um, hypothetically, he'd probably be 5 or $6. But does that sound ridiculous? No, I, I don't think it does. Uh, just given for what you just said, that the fact that it's 22.40 against this opposition, there would have been no sort of let up at any stage. So he would have been wide all the way. So it had been, it would have been fascinating to see, you know, uh, what sort of price he would have gone around had he had drawn that. We know where he's drawn now. So he's got a, a front row draw and he's got speed to his inside. I wouldn't say it's brilliant speed to his inside, but he's got speed to his outside immediately with catch away. Is there a possibility that Andy and Kate Gath could devise a plan where they just run the gate with catch a wave and then try and hand over? Is that is that a likely scenario? I would think so, but it mightn't be handing over to the horse you think it might hand over to. Okay. Leap to fame is the one we think. Rock, <laughs> rock and roll do was the one I was thinking. Hmm. It depends who would get there first. I mean, we haven't really seen Rock and Roll do leave the gate in any explosive fashion, and I'm not saying that he's any chance of leading outright, but if Catchaway did leave, and I think he can do it comfortably, I think better Eclipse, if Greg Sugars, I think he'd be pretty happy even if he was three back the pegs, um, because it's a good position for him. He wanna, wouldn't want to engage in a duel in the early part, and he's probably not got the speed. He can go a bit rough at times. Catchaway can blast off. I think we all acknowledge that. And then it's a matter of um, uh, rock and roll do or a leap to fame potentially hustling their way. 
uh, past Catch a Wave, and I think Catch a Wave is a good chance of taking a trail, but only behind one of those two authors. It's a matter of working out who could get there first, Rock and Roll Do or Leap to Fame. I was thinking it could be Rock and Roll Do. Am I mad? No, I don't think so, but are you confident that Rock and Roll Do will do everything right? Because in the past, he has been a little bit chancy at times leaving the mobile. Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you with, with that. But I think Nick Stanley, he's one driver that will never die wondering. Uh, and the other scenario to that is, because of what is a good gate, comes into gate three if the emergency doesn't run, uh, he's going to be in a spot where he's going to sit quite forward uh, in contrast to his bad gate and where he was in the Kilmore Cup. So I think he can very quickly uh, uh, sum that up and have his horse... Uh, in a really good spot going into the first turn. I just thought it was a uh, a potential play uh, that if uh, that Michael Stanley, more than many other drivers, may attempt to take advantage of. Yeah, I get that. A uh, couple of horses that I wanted to ask about. Uh, the most intriguing horse in many ways, Captain Ravishing. Uh, he was fantastic in the Eureka, given the preparation that he had going into that race. Um, again, uh, they're, they're going into this race fairly fresh. He had a trial on Monday night. How do you sort of gauge him in this type of race? He was fantastic in the Tabureka, wasn't he, Chris? Um, look, he looked a different horse. I was obviously watching on TV as opposed to usually seeing him live and in the flesh, but he bounced away from the gate, showed gate speed that I've never seen him show to that extent before. He travelled up really keenly in the run, um, and the fact that he was first up for such a long time off a brutal speed, it probably told at 100, but his performance was... Uh, it, it was surprisingly fantastic. Uh, yeah. He's kept fresh, but he's had an uninterrupted last five weeks, and that's the key this time. But can he do it from behind? Because he's going to have to sit wide. Or has he just got that brilliant speed that he can burn them off with a 27-1 second quarter or something ridiculous like that? I mean, I hope so. Um, and I really don't know. I want to see him do it again, but I'm really excited at the prospect that that's possible. Okay, what about this New South Wales horse? And you've seen plenty of him. He's bounced around a few different stables. Hi, my name Hi, my name is Jeff. Now, some say he was lucky to get in the field. He's in the field. Is he a winning possibility with this man that can produce wonderful results, Jason Grimson? Normally, I would say no. There's not a chance to win. But he adds that sexiness. He's got that winning form. He might be up in class. But he adds that little question mark that we can all put over him because of the stable that he comes from and the respect that we're giving him as a result of that. And he's been toying with his opposition uh, of late as well. So he adds that extra dimension that I could easily be underestimating. OK, what about the emergency bulletproof boy? He won the smoking up sprint. He laid it on the line last week, came out on top, but it wasn't enough to secure a start. Was he hard done by yeah, probably. I think so. But to be fair, Bulletproof Boy, uh, look, he's drawn gate three. If he gets a run, he could make a difference because he can fly the gate and get to the pegs first. If he drawn the back row, he would be a 50-to-1 shot. Hi, my name is Jeff. Gets into the field, draws the back row. And, uh, look, I haven't checked the market this morning, but I suspect he's 15-20-to-1. So with that in mind, I, I can see why they've made that decision. I feel for Bulletproof Boy connections, but if something comes out of the race, he may well make his presence felt. I don't know that he could win it, but he might have a fair say in how the race 
races run in the early part because I reckon he would lead the inside two horses and then possibly, I'd say almost certainly, uh, be happy to trail a, a catch a wave. And that would change the dynamics, put better, uh, better Eclipse, uh, maybe worse than three back the inside. Um, and it would just change things up a little bit. And to be fair, Bulletproof Boy gets in the field, he'd probably start 25, 30 to 1. Okay. And one of the other intriguing runners in this field is Honolulu Bait. We all know how great this horse is, but it's an audacious plan to attack this race fresh up. His last start was the Miracle Mile. Obviously, he's been to the trials and he's been prepped for this race, but can he win it fresh up? Gee, it'd be a mighty training performance, wouldn't it? I, I didn't really think he was going to be going there as of a couple of weeks ago, talking to the connection, so he's really pleased them. But to win it first up, he would need to have had that really good gait, which he's got. Look, he's got the gait speed to come off the arm. But when you're first up and using all your petrol at the start, I'm not sure that actually suits him. He's better being strong the last 12 or 1,400 metres. So he can still take a forward spot. They might try to angle to the pegs. Look, I, I was looking past him thinking it was too big a task first up, Chris. Um, I, I don't want to rule him out because he's that good a horse, and it's amazing to think you could get 15 to 20 to 1 about him. But, um, look, Emma Stewart's got a big hand here, uh, and this is the horse that's actually got the best gait for her. Uh, but I'm not sure it's her best chance. OK, well, she's got five runners contesting this Group 1 feature on Saturday night. Can she walk away with this big prize? Uh, I, look, I don't think so. I, I would... Honolulu Bay, uh, I think, has got a better chance than, say, Act Now um, and uh, also um, MacDan. Uh, but Amore Vita, if somehow... I just can't see how she works into the race. But she's the one. I mean, I reckon Amore Vita's her best chance. I think Amore Vita's better than Encipher. There's not much between them. If Amore Vita had a better barrier draw, I'd be giving you a much better push. I just don't know where she'll end up from that gate. If they have to go back to last, well, she may as well draw in 13 and it might be a, a forlorn task. But she's really going well. She's stepped it up and make no mistake, I do rate her above in Cypher. OK, so it's a great lineup. There's no question. Would you be surprised if I said to you there's only three horses in single figures with the market right now? Well, no, probably not, um, with the barrier draw um, uh, and leap to fame, in a sense, dominance. The one that surprised me, and I'd love your opinion, we're, we're all, I think, expecting that Catcher Wave's a really good chance to lead here, yeah? How is yep. it $15 or $16? Well, are they judging him purely off last week's run? I suspect so, but mm. you know, if he drew barrier 13 and couldn't lead, I'd, I'd say, oh, that's understandable. But the fact that um, he uh, looks as if he'll be able to lead is, um, is surprising that we can get, I think, that sort of prize about a quality horse like that. Yeah, well, well given that he won the... Disappointing. Yeah, given that he won the Chariots of Fire Miracle Mile earlier this year, but some would probably argue now... He's nowhere near that type of form, given his effort in the Eureka and then last week in the smoking up sprint. But I get your point. If he blasts the arm, leads and then hands over, it's the spot you want to be at Melton, surely. Oh, there's no... And on the pegs too, make no mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, the pegs in a race like that, they're going to be going 153 speed. It sounds quick. It's not really for that uh, quality of horse. And when you're on the pegs going that sort of speed, running your last halves in 55 or under, that's where you want to be. And it looks as if he will be in 
had spawned. Mm. He would have run a, uh, a scintillating third quarter there last week down the back, exposed three deep, and it was a 27 or low, uh, high 26 third quarter. So, yeah, yeah, not certainly out of the uh, the race as it is right now, catch a wave. So, as it stands, which way are you sort of leaning at this point? Oh, look, I was always pro rock and roll do in the lead-up to this. The, the Kilmore Cup was a bit of a, a head-scratcher because he never really looked competitive in that race until... The last, his last 150 metres was excellent, but that was a long distance, a staying race. Here it's a bit different. He gets a slightly better barrier draw, and if he can make use of a, a forward spot, I, you know, I, I, I think the Rock and Roll Dude can win it. I think Leap the Fame's the horse to beat, but he just gives gives a few other horses, good horses, chances. When he can put the pressure on, make horses run at a brutal speed, Grant Dixon's got to get the timing of it just right. And if you've got a horse like a rock and roll do, who can just peel off extraordinary late sectionals, providing he gets the set, I think he would out-dash out leap to fame nine times out of ten with, with that uh, scenario. But, of course, if leap to fame led, rock and roll do sat parked, big advantage leap to fame. Yeah. So the Victoria Cup has been run at 22.40 since 2009. Race record, Lock and Vara, that was back in 2020, 51.4. Is there a chance that they could eclipse that mark on Saturday night? Um, well, I reckon it's, it centres around Leap to Fame and Rock and Roll do and what uh, their drivers... Well, they know what they're capable of doing. You could see Leap to Fame running that time sitting parked and whether he won or something just pipped him late. If he's going to be... He won't be weakening. Something's going to have to be finishing fast to outdo him and he's the sort of horse that could do it. You know, um, Captain Ravishing's fastest time, the last time he was at 22.40 metres at Melton, he rated 151.1. That would have won every single Victoria Cup that has been run at Melton. So I'm at odds to try to leave him out of the equation because his best would be good enough, you know, going on times alone. Mm. It's a fascinating race. One final question for you this morning, Dan. In all the Victoria Cups that you've been calling and you've called a stack of them, is there a moment or a memory that stands out most for you? Wow, there's so many because some I've called and others I've been inspired by watching when I was a kid or a young adult or a teenager. Um, look, I mentioned Popular Arm, if I didn't mention it, but I certainly heard it mentioned before, but I, I was nodding my head in the greens before I came on air. Popular Arm and, and Pro Chevalier. They're, they're right to this day. That'd be the two best paces that I've ever seen. Um, but again, at an impressionable age. Um, some of the brutally run races, remember the year that Caribbean Blaster won and I'm the Mighty Queen went uh, some ridiculous early um, speed and uh, to that stage it was a lead time record and uh, the year that Double Identity won and the pace was on and the moves were made and I love those exciting races. Um, uh, the Lenny the Shark wins were fantastic. Remember the uh, Soki Ola and Justin Excuse race? It was Australia versus New Zealand. Probably didn't quite have the, the depth that some of the other years have had. But really, it, it, you know what would be the harder question? If you said, give me your top 10, it'd take me a week <laughs> to try to you know, give you a top 10 because there have been so many good Victoria Cups. Personally, 
personally, over my my time, I've always rated the Victoria Cup as a far superior race to the Hunter Cup. Completely different scenario. Hunter Cup was a standing start race for so long and pretty special and in that regard. And it sort of lost its time slot, shifted around from February to December. And I think it's found its mojo again back in uh, here in October. But um, it's always been what I consider to be the best race, simply because it got the best field. Awesome. Miracle Mile got picked for the best for the Victoria Cup through that 80s and 90s and early 2000s. It got the 12 best. But Dan, I want to give you a wrap as well, but just the broadcasters <laughs> calling this race, they make it exciting. You know, when you think of Brian Markovic and Bill Collins and Brian Martin and... You know, it's just um, some of the calls that go with these horses. Um, did Brian Martin do popular arms, both of his in 82, 83? Oh, I can't remember because there was a time there where the, the, the Victoria Cup sort of morphs into the Hunter Cup because they both had hiatuses. I think the Hunter Cup didn't race for 10 years and then, then they upped it. And even the Victoria Cup, there was a, a three-year period. But certainly, you're right, the great race callers can make something pretty special of the great horses. And that's the common denominator, isn't it? Or two of them. The great horses can sometimes make the great race caller or vice versa. And, and I, it still sends... Um, uh, goosebumps along, you know, the back of my neck uh, when I'm listening to those sorts of races. When I'm involved in calling, it seems slightly different because I, I'm looking at it from a, a different point of view, but it's the great horses. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what we aspire to do. Everyone in any sport, in any industry, in any racing code, it's about the inspiration you get from the greats, the great horses, and that's what we all aspire to have. If the best that we can do, Chris, is call the races, they're the races and the horses we want to call, whether it's to breed them, whether it's to own them, whether it's to drive them, whether it's to train them. But that's where we want to get to. I mean, for us, that's us trying to fly to the moon, isn't it? That's to conquer our Everest. And I'm sure everyone in harness racing, that's the passion that drives them to get a horse. Funnily enough, not a horse better than Popular Arm or, or Pro Chevalier uh, or, or Leap to Fame, a horse as good. That's the dream. Mm. Spot on, spot on. Hey, Dan, really appreciate the time this morning. Uh, good luck on Saturday night. I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park. Yeah, looking forward. It's a great program. Ladies and Redders back earlier on in the card and then to think you've got a Derby and Oaks, a Trotters Oaks and then a Bill Collins Mile. It's, it's the best racing program that Victoria can put on. We found one of Poppy's replays from Victoria Cup. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Brian Martin's the caller. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, look forward to listening to it, guys. <laughs> Race two, he's raced three lengths in front. Gamalite can't offer any resistance and further back, Royal three. Then Laskin, but he must be the greatest in the world, straightening up popular army, streaked away. He's five lengths in front of Gamalite, then Royal three, and then Laskin, but look at this mighty horse go. Up the home straight, possibly the world's greatest popular arm. 20 metres in front of Gamalite, then Royal three, fellow further back by Fearless Kick, but welcome back, Poppy, you've done it again. Popular arm streaking away for the Winfield Cup. 20 there you go, Chris, and it's remarkable, isn't it, with that horse? He suffered that injury, you know, they had uh, sort of plates and things in his old pins in his legs, and they didn't think he was, you know, uh, even going to make it at one stage, and there he came back and he won his first run, first two runs back, um, yeah. popular arm. He was a horse, there was no doubt about it. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a great race on Saturday night, another great name will be etched into that honour roll, so we look forward to that. Speaking of good horses, Wayne Graham joins us now and he's online. Wayne, good morning. Morning, Chris. Uh, I wanted to get an update on your Group 1 Oaks winner from this year, Talk Like Motion. Is there any update with this filly? Yeah, she um, 
Yes, we just turned her out. Um, actually, she's due back in next week. We'll start her off again. And, um, yeah, hopefully she can step up another level next year. Um, most of the family have, oh, well, a few of the better ones have, have sort of got better as they've got older. So, um, you know, we're, we're sort of hopeful that, that she will because um, she's about the only decent one I've got. Okay, well, she was chasing that big triple crown. Breeders' Classic Queensland Oaks triad. She came up just a little short in the triad, running second behind Jewel Melody. Jewel Melody starts in the Victoria Oaks on Saturday night. Was there any sort of thought process or contemplation about keeping her up and targeting either the Victoria Oaks or even the WA Oaks? No, not really. Um, I think she, you know, in hindsight, I... I I think her last start was a, you know, even though she got beaten, she had every chance. Um, the race didn't pan out how we how we thought it would have. But um, no, I think she'd she'd sort of done enough. And um, you know, there's only so many times she can go to the well, and we just yeah didn't think she was quite quite ready for that um, that sort of campaign. You know, because she's to be fair, she is a little bit one-dimensional. And, um, you know, it's it's very hard when you're going into those sort of races. Um, yeah. It, it, we just thought, I think it was just, just a little bit too far for her. Oh, fair enough. You've got three runners going to Redcliffe tonight and you've been looked after because you're in early races, races one, two and four. So you're you're laughing there. The Exorcist goes around yeah. in the first, Shakalaka Boom Boom in a race two and pushing it uphill in a race four. Is there a winner amongst that trio? I, I highly unlikely, Chris. As I said, they're a pretty. I've got a very ordinary bunch of horses at the moment, um, and the Exorcist. He um, he went very ordinary last week. I thought, um, you know, so he'll he's works good enough, but um, yeah, I just don't know where he's going to end up. Shakalaka boom boom. Well, gee, she's a lovely little filly, but um, yeah, she just lacks that. That little bit of, um, yeah, she tries, she does the best, but bottom line is she hasn't sort of got it. But she gets a nice cosy run, she might fill a place. And um, pushing it uphill, well, um, he's, he's basically, a, I think he's, his best runs are when he leads. And uh, I can't see that happening tonight, you know. But, um, yeah, I think it's the only one good thing about tonight, it'll be an early night. <laughs> hey, well, appreciate the honesty. <laughs> a uh, good update there with uh, the filly as well. Talk like motion. We'll see you trackside. Okay, thanks, Chris. There's Wayne Graham joining us. Uh, speaking of Rickliffe tonight, eight races tonight. Bryce McElhinney has two two drives. He's driving Wonderland in the first. Looks a really good chance. And Cannon goes around in race number three as well. So. We'll see if we can track down Bryce and get his thoughts on those two runners. Wonderland aiming for back-to-back -back victories. Last start winner at the track. And Cannon was a winner two starts ago before finishing fourth at its most recent start. Both of these horses are prepared by Chloe Butler. Not having much luck trying to track down Bryce. Darren Clayton is about to join us now. Darren, good morning. Morning, Chris. Victoria Cupfield is out. Leap to fame is there. He's arrived overnight. He is the favourite with Tab. He's 190 fixed price. Do you expect him to start any shorter? 
Uh, it's it's an interesting way that it lines up. I was good to hear the thoughts of Dan there and how uh, he can foresee it playing. I don't think he can get any shorter on looking at that field, especially um, I sort of concur with what uh, Dan was saying in, in far as catch a wave, the price he is and from where he's drawn and the the run he's likely to get. Well, um, you know, if he firms up a bit, you'd, you wouldn't expect any more firming in the price of Leap to Fame. So that said, I can't see him getting much shorter than that quote. So, um, you know, rock and roll do. He's, I thought he was just got too far back that last start. Um, had his, interesting that the sort of, that he just sat back and came with that one run, how he had won his previous start. So whether they push the button early with him and, I guess it all comes down to as well if Bulletproof Boy does get a run it certainly changes the map markedly knowing how well he gets out so the other one that I thought um, could be a sneaky little hope there is Better Eclipsed going to get the perfect run in behind Mm. the speed and um, we know these races are run at a brutal tempo and if he's just tucked away and waiting um, he's not going to have spent a cent at all in the run and um, you know, I'd be pretty keen to play him um, certainly at a place and certainly a, a little bit on the win as well because I thought his last start victory was really good somewhere back near his best and on that occasion he sat on the on the fence and just had to blitz them over the closing stages that was to win that Kilmore Cup so um, yeah I certainly give him a strong hope. Do you reckon Grant Dixon guys has got a point to prove because it's fair to say Leap to Fame's last two big feature races have been circumstances the flat tyre and then he had to work like the devil in fast time outside the lead in the other one. Yeah I think it's a valid question but I think deep down, no, he doesn't have a point to prove. Uh, we, we know how great he is. And I pondered that for a little while after the weekend myself, Steve. But uh, I sort of tossed that around with a few people that I respect as well. And they sort of just you know, hosed it down pretty quickly. There's nothing to prove with Leap to Fame. Some Victorians so, are still doubting him a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And that's Victorian. I think that's what we've got to accept, that the Victorians are always going to, you know, pour cold water on any other state apart from their own. So Queensland's no exception to that. They used to put Blacks of Fake at one point there. They used to put I'm the Mighty Quinn. They're the two richest horses of all time in Australian harness racing. So I I think that just comes with the territory down there. We've become very territorial as far as our horses are concerned. So it's probably a little different to the thoroughbred world, but as far as the standard breads, uh, we, we have become quite territorial. Um, you know, the, 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 the media departments with with the states, um, you know, they, they very much stick up for their own. So, you know, it's probably no different to me sticking up for Leap to Fame. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it, but I don't think there's any sort of, you know point to prove as far as Grant Dixon is concerned. The, the interesting horse, Darren, for this race, well, there's three that I wanted to ask about. Honolulu Bay, first up since the Miracle Mile, Captain Ravishing, because it's Captain Ravishing, we know what he's capable of, and the other runner is Hi, my name is Jeff. Some say he's lucky to be in this field, but trainer Grimson, every time he goes into a big race, he wins it. He's yet to claim a Victoria Cup. Can he do it with, with this sort of unheralded performer? Yeah, I, I think the gate draw has probably thrown his chances out the window. If we have a look at all of his big wins, um, nearly every horse that he's had win a major race 
has been able to go forward and control the pace and then just uh, dominate his rivals with brute strength. He's not going to get that opportunity here. Uh, hi, my name is Jeff. Is a horse that um, you know he comes into the race with five, uh, four, four or five wins next to his name. Each of those wins, where he's gone forward and worked to the front. How versatile is he? Well, I guess we need. He'll have to prove it on Saturday night in that Victoria Cup. So I'm just a little bit concerned about. Uh, his draw and how he maps and how his pattern has performed and how the, the Grimson horses perform overall in the, all those big races. You go back through them, they're nearly always out in front and making it their rivals chase. So I'm going to say no. Um, as far as getting into the field, I think it's borderline perhaps a need to look at races that actually have ballot exemption if, if we're going to be worried about that but um, you know bulletproof boy yes he came out and won last week a couple of weeks ago at Menangle he was a, a dismal failure so um, you can look at it either way so um, you know I, I have no problem with him being in the field we look at Swayze Swayze was balloted out of the patron's purse up here in mm. Queensland earlier in the season and then um, you know, he went on to prove his point. So um, it, it can go both ways. So Captain Ravishing, again, just this horse just keeps on throwing up a, another storyline. Um, you could fill a book with just the the different sort of twos and fro's that this horse does. His preparations, where he's come from, how he started his career, what he's done in his career, the trainer changes, the whole lot. And there's another chapter to be written again this Saturday night. A driver change this time. Nathan Jack takes the drive, and by all reports, he was pretty happy with his trial performance there on Monday night. So, I don't. I think he's one of those horses that you can never discount him because, uh, you know, in the Eureka, I thought he was absolutely no chance off that preparation, and he came out and, you know, produced probably one of the one of the best runs of his career in terms of the circumstance. So, definitely can't discount him. That's for sure. So. Yeah, I, I think all in all, it's it's going to set up for a great race. Uh, second rankings for ID23 will be released later this afternoon. And Steve made a really good point earlier. If he comes out and wins this race, and let's just say he's really uh, dominant uh, with victory, leap to fame, it'll be interesting to see what sort of impact that has on ID23. Does that just sort of put the skids through a few connections about making the trip to Brisbane to take on this horse in his backyard? It, it'll be interesting to see if there are any sort of ramifications. Yeah, certainly. I think I think the uh, what would really strengthen that would be the fact that he's a horse that just seems to love the work and, you know, he can work in his races. So you would expect the three runs in a week is going to be right in his wheelhouse and then come out the following week and just sort of serve it up to them. So that certainly plays well into the favour of Leap to Fame. There's a couple of horses there where the, the Inter-Dominion format, you know, it certainly sort, sorts the men from the boys, that's for sure. And um, it, it really is good to be back at that sort of traditional format. You were talking before a bit about, you know, great Victoria Cups over the years. And um, Dan mentioned that the race sort of had a few different sort of time changes and what have you. Even back in 2000, it actually became one of the qualification races for the Inter-Dominion. Uh, that year, so um, you know, there's, there's certain horses can't cop it. So we're back to the traditional format as we have been for a few years now. But uh, yeah, if Leap to Fame does a number on them on Saturday, there might be a few that 
sort of start to rethink their travel plans. So just in regards, you know, he could potentially start two to one on or something if he wins on the weekend in the Brisbane final, into the Dominion final. When was the last time we had a horse win a final? That sort of, those sort of odds. Well, just because it's Brisbane, I know uh, the last two finals at Albion Park, they've been clear favourites. Jack Morris, I think it was seven to four on when he won in 93. And I think Village Kid, Steve, you would probably know, you might have been working there that night, 86. He would have been deep into the red Village Kid that night, given that he swept all the heats uh, in lead up to the final. So there's two that spring to mind as far as a Dominant favourite in recent times. a fake when he won all his inner dominions, Chris. Um, yeah, I'd have to go back and yeah. check, but I just know I've done some research on the the Brisbane series of late, and I know that Jack Morris was really short, Village Kid was really short. So yeah, I'd have to check on on Blackie. Mm. You mentioned, um, yeah, you mentioned Jack Morris there. We're talking about great Victoria Cups. Well. Jack Morris finished second in a Victoria Cup, and uh, that race was won by Master Musician. He's one of my all-time favourites, if not my favourite horse. So that was a super Victoria Cup in 93. Master Musician, Jack Morris, Blossom Lady, Westburn Grant, the Unicorn, Franco Tiger, Impressionist, so, um, and a that's couple a of others. Yeah, that was that's a great a race. race. Speaking yeah. of Master Musician then, you would have been sulking in that 1993 grand final... Uh, because he made it through to the final, contested all the three heats, but he was a, a scratching in lead-up to the week of Master Musician. So he never got to go around in the final. He was scratched, and then the late scratching on the day, doing some research, Choken came out. So two of the star Kiwis both came out of that final. Yeah, it was a disappointing year that year. It, uh, he was he was a great old horse, was Master Musician, and I uh, saw him very early on. He actually won a heat of that uh, that Inner Dominion Series too, Chris, that um, he was second in two heats and then beat Westburn Grant in his final heat in 93. But, yeah, I got, I got to see him in Bathurst as a two-year-old. He came out uh, to contest the gold crown in 1990 as a two-year-old, and um, he captivated me from then. Was that the second running of the Gold Crown, the year he won it? Uh, would have been about the th uh, 19, so 1990. It started in 87, so the fourth okay. running. But at that stage, there was massive stakes uh, put up uh, in a couple of those early editions, and I think that was the reason they came across. And I think it was a $300,000 final that year. So we're talking about 1990, $300,000 for a two-year-old race in... Uh, mm you know, a little backwater like Bathurst. <laughs> eight times on the wing. We need to find a winner for tonight at Reckliff. We've got eight races. We start at 5.47. Where's the best bet tonight? Yeah, um, keen on one in a price in the first tonight. Hey, Mr Taylor, race one, horse nine. Just can't seem to get things going his way of late. I think there's a race here that should generate a little bit of early tempo, and I think he can descend on them. Uh, so that's race one, horse nine, can't fault the driver change. Nathan Dawson, um, you know, he just continues winning. So that's that one there. And a little bit later in the card, uh, another Nathan Dawson on a race six, horse nine, Reezy. First up here from a spell. No, it's going to start pretty short, but uh, looks a nice filly. It's only had one start for one win and has joined the Jack Butler stable. So I think it gets the job done, but short quote there for race six, horse nine. Okay, speaking of the quaddy tonight, five, six, seven, eight, we can stand out Reese. What about the other legs? 
Yeah, first leg I think is pretty open. So I've got Tacker's last dance on top. She can certainly work over the top. The map early will be the key to the other runners. So throw in number one, Sammy Secret. Two, Rolonex, who's got super early speed. And tell me this, who should be tucked away. So one, two, seven, nine. Like we said, Reezy one out in that second leg. We can go one out again in the third leg, to be fair to you. Regally bred filly, this one. Um, got through to the Group 1 triad uh, fillies final. Uh, hasn't won a race yet, but certainly finds a chance to break open the maiden status. So number two only. Play a little bit wider in the last leg. I've got number three, Water Reactor, on top. Should get the right trip from there. Skipper Swansong, probably been a little bit plainer uh, in recent starts, but certainly has a good finish on her and um, finds the right type of race to be thereabouts. Throw in number two, Aruna. Probably better suited not, not burning early. So two, three, eight in that last leg. Okay, so one, two, seven, nine, into nine then into two, and we bring it home with numbers two, three, and eight. So that's a grand total of $12 for 100% of the dividend. Best bets tonight, race six, number nine, Reese, $1.50 with tab fixed price, and race one, number nine, Hey Mr. Taylor, $4.20, $1.60 the place. So that's Rickliffe tonight. Action starts at 5.47. Darren, appreciate the time this morning. We'll touch base again on Friday morning when we dig into this Albion Park form. That's a really good free-for-all there on Saturday night. Yeah, sure is, and uh, I better get into it.